And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Green light 3-0 and she's gone! Welcome to The 3-0 Show, part of The Athletic Baseball Show. It is Thursday, June 15th. Derek Van Riper, Richard Oli, Eno Saris, full house here with you on a Thursday. On this episode, we'll discuss the A's going another big step in the direction of moving to Las Vegas. We'll talk about the sleepless nights for St. Louis Cardinals fans as their woes linger on into the middle of June and whether or not there are some ways they can make adjustments on the fly to salvage this season in the woeful NL Central. We'll discuss the brief subway series that just occurred between the Yankees and Mets as it appears things are unraveling on the Mets. And we'll discuss when is it too late to make organizational moves that will impact the current season, kind of tying a few of these struggling teams together. So we begin today with the A's moving another step closer to Las Vegas, $380 million in a public financing package toward the $1.5 billion new stadium is now awaiting the signature of Nevada Governor Joe Lombardo. Stadium would open in 2028 if you're looking for a timeline. Once that happens... They need approval, the A's need approval from 75% of the league's other 29 owners, and they can continue down this path. But it seems like we're close to an endpoint where the team that you get to see on Tuesday night, you know, will be out of the Oakland Coliseum, probably upon the end of its lease in 2024, which leads to a bunch of questions about where they're going to play for the three years before the new stadium is ready. We'll save those for another day. But you are at the reverse boycott. And the atmosphere, as we could see even from watching on TV, was electric, albeit with a hint of sadness. And anger. Uh, There was a lot of F. John Fisher chanting going on. (laughs) At the end of the game, uh, they threw their beers onto the field, which is anger gone awry a little bit for me because that's Oakland staff that's going to have to pick that up. You know, John Fisher's not coming out there to pick up those beers. So uh i didn't really like that part because oakland staff is i feel really badly for them i think what's what's happening now is with an uncertain future like this they're all wondering am i gonna go is are the a's gonna pay for relocation for me probably not no probably not but uh just a lot of questioning your future is always uh you know a difficult time so it's been a pretty difficult time uh you know across baseball and media this week uh i think with this and I'm just not sure it's the right move. I'm not sure it's the right move. It's it's going from the 10th biggest media market to the 40th. And uh, I'm not sure that we won't be talking about this in a way different light in, in 2030, 2031. Um, you know, not to mention uh, just that when I looked at it, you know, the, the A's had decent attendance. They had over 2 million a year in the early 2000s. And they had a payroll that was around 20th, you know, compared to the league. 
Uh, and they had a stadium that, while it wasn't great, they did have good beer in some spots. They had some good food. Like, they did care about concessions and they did care about fans in certain ways. They had dollar Wednesdays with dollar hot dogs and dollar tickets upstairs. Like, they did some things in the early 2000s that they stopped doing as soon as John Fisher took over in 2016. A lot of those promotions went out the window. The payroll went from 20th to 28th basically every year. Uh, the stadium, they changed vendors. The food got worse. Everything got worse. It was a, obvious lack of of investment and they started talking about moving as soon as john fisher took over in 2016 in fact a little even earlier he was talking about moving san jose fremont blah 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 blah. it's always like moving 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 and if you're a fan of that you stop going what will his investment be like in vegas what will it what will it look like in terms of ownership and lastly if you want tourists to fill up this ballpark you need both teams to be good I'm sorry, that's the biggest driver of attendance is home team quality and then away team quality and in that order. And so, you know, that's going to be something that is up and up in order. Like if he's not going to invest in the payroll and if, you know, if your Cubs aren't that great, why are you flying to Vegas to see the Cubs? <laughs> you know, there's so many other things you can do. There's so many other ballparks you can visit. There are some other places that are more pleasant to go in the summer. I mean, I guess there's a there's going to be a retractable roof on the stadium. I get that. Have you been to Las Vegas in July? You You mostly spend your time indoors. You don't you don't usually choose to go there in the summer. So there's that aspect, too. And then I know Matt Gelb had one of the great people. We had a lot of stuff on The Athletic. Matt Gelb had Bryce Harper's perspective. Harper's from Vegas. And he put something out there that you mentioned on Rates and Barrels. You know that. Vegas would want their own team. They don't want the husk of the A's. They don't want to take someone else's the team that has been Vegas run born, this way. As their team yeah. would say. I think that yeah. matters to them a lot too. So I don't I don't think there's a, a compelling reason to believe that the city is going to be as excited about taking the A's as they would be about having a team to call their own. Yeah. I so I I have a couple of thoughts here. I think there are some things that are getting misconstrued, and I think needs to be clarified a little bit from what I've heard from multiple people. MLB doesn't want the A's to go to Vegas because that removes, like we said, the chance for an expansion team and more money to go there. I think what they want is this whole thing to be over so then they can set their sights on adding teams to a Nashville or a Portland or these other teams or these other cities, right? So um, this isn't something, and I saw a column today, like this is Rob Manfred's legacy, and, and it is. And I don't think anyone on this podcast thinks it's a good idea. On one hand, on the other hand, I don't know what other options really were there at this point. There wasn't enough people in power in Oakland to drive that new stadium site. Right. Um, You have an owner who ever since he came in, like, Eno said, you know, has just decimated the morale and the fan base. And there was really no end in sight. I think MLB got to the point where they were like, we're not going to stop you. Just, you know, you've wore us down. Let's just it's get like with move Tampa. on They're from just this. Like, we just need to finish. We just, this yeah. needs to end. Right. Like, let's just move on so then we can add, you know, the money elsewhere by adding two, three more teams, whatever they want to do. Right. So I think that deserves a, a point I haven't really seen made quite as much. That deserves kind of a point here. And then also, as you said, you know, I mean, I used to go there every year when I was on the Orioles beat. Their fans were into it. The The narrative about their fans hurts my heart because I have friends that are A's fans and they're very dedicated. This is a group who would always come out when it was important. And I feel like 
you know, watching the way that they've like slowly, painfully killed off most of the fans has been awful to see. It's been awful for the sport. There's no way even Rob Manfred and people who care about the bottom line of baseball, the money factor have take, have seen this and been like, yeah, this was real good for the game. It's embarrassing. It's been embarrassing on so many levels out here talking about how it's not good for the game and how, and how, how the A's don't invest in their product. I mean, if you get an owner to say something like that publicly, it it, it says, suggests there's a little bit of divisiveness. I don't think the vote's going to fail, but no, I, I agree with a lot of the points you're saying. And one one thing that I think I, I, I floated on three on the Rates and Barrels show is, like, would it be crazy to leave the A's brand in Oakland? I don't know. Maybe you give uh, Vegas their own team, basically. It's, yeah. it's Fisher-owned. It's the same structure as the A's. But maybe they get a new rebranding there. And you leave the A's in Oakland. And that's a possible expansion scene. It, it, literally, yeah. when you look at the numbers, you look at the money, the media market, you look at the, the, the type, the, the age of people, the, the growth, uh, Oakland would immediately be a top three, top five type expansion city, you know? So, yeah. you know, if you put up o- Oakland against Portland, like who's, are you sure that Portland's going to be a better situation than Oakland? So, you know, I, I would, I would try to see if you could leave the A's brand in Oakland and see if an expansion team could bring, yeah. could, could, bring, you know, it's, there has precedent, you know, you've done yeah. that, you've seen that with the, I think the Ravens and the Browns. Yep. Uh, you've seen it, in, in, and, yeah. and to some extent, the Nationals and Expos, you know, kind of did that. So, yeah, absolutely. And what's you know with Oakland is you know you're looking at people who are born and raised there, who are proud of being from the East Bay, like things like that. That I think you know kind of tie in that you can't really account for. My other main issue with this is that John Fisher has not had to answer for any of this. The guy declined to be interviewed at the owners' meetings. Like there should be something written. I'm not saying that all owners have to speak all the time, but if you own a baseball team, there should be some kind of stipulation that you speak when you are moving that baseball team. When there is a huge thing going on. I understand, you know, you sign a big free agent, that's the GM, that's the president's job, but you own this team. You get to be enemy number one and you don't have to deal with any backlash from the media at all. You just say, yeah, I don't do interviews. Um, You know, how? How is that okay? Also, and another thing, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm making excuses for MLB and Rob Manfred. I'm not, but they wear it because he refuses to take questions. Yeah, right? Manfred's going to have to ask answer all those questions in the press conference. Is it today right. or tomorrow? It, it, so, you know, they're upset gonna... about it, too, right? Like, yeah. it's just such a messed up situation. If you don't want to be bothered, go own an energy company, right? Go make your millions It's in finance. Like, then people aren't going to sit there and talk about how you're ripping a team from one city to another. But once you get into sports, you got to know that people are going to know who you are and people are going to be upset when you when you do things that they don't like. I just don't understand how there can be no accountability at the highest, highest levels of sports ownership. Yeah, I think that's um, it's a really good point. It'd be refreshing to have some kind of accountability, and I'm not expecting it to happen. I think this is the new model. I think as much as owners can be invisible, that's a choice that many owners are going to make going forward. This is working. This is this seems to be everything John Fisher wants right now, right? A lot of he teams won. with with ownership teams too, right? So ownership groups. So who's you know you know uh, I'm just Charles Johnson. I don't own the Giants. I'm just part of the ownership group. <laughs> you don't have to bother me about you know my political leanings or what I'm doing in Florida right now. I'm just I'm just part of the group. Yeah. Totally. If you, uh, if you mean, want to see a really uh, interesting detail breakdown of how the stadium revenues are supposed to be distributed, the Nevada Independent, they've doing a great job. Tabitha Mueller on Twitter, they've been doing an awesome job covering all of this. 
check out the the waterfall that is supposed to be. I'm not going to describe it on the podcast because it's just absurd. It, you you want this to you, you don't you don't think this is going to work if you're a rational person who looks at how this generally works economically and and at the same time like you don't want to root against it because it's it's taxpayers it's the people it's people yeah. that get hurt by it it's not it's not the ownership so it's like you can't really even turn the tables if you're upset about this the fan bases are, are so powerless in all of this and I think that's probably the most frustrating part of all. And that was probably in the air in Oakland on Tuesday night. It's like we we can show up and we kind of know this isn't going to change the outcome. This has already yeah. been decided. It's one thing I don't like about blaming Oakland for this uh, situation, saying, oh, you had many chances to give him a stadium. Yeah, I had many chances to give John Fisher $400 million. Woo! You know, like, I don't know. I don't blame Oakland for it. And all the research that's out there shows that the economic impact of these stadiums comes far, far short of the taxpayer input. And part of the reasons you can see, even in the documents that the A's are showing, and even the stuff that does come out of those hearings, you can see why it doesn't work. Here's here's a here's a thing that happens. The A's don't have to pay any taxes on construction equipment. All right. Sweet for them, you know, but that's just a little way where you're like, oh, so even the guys who are selling cement to this this company or whatever, the local guys that are working with them, none of that comes back to the taxpayers. And then you realize, well, the whole stadium itself is exempt from all the taxes that you normally do. They have this tax that's like live entertainment tax that's in, in that, that's there for, you know, when Celine Dion is doing her thing. Like they have to, yeah. if you buy a ticket to Celine Dion, you are sending some tax money back to the taxpayers. They're all exempt from that. So if you go to the A's game, you spend some money. Yeah, you're a Cubs fan from in town. All of a sudden that money is just not, none of that is coming back to the taxpayers. So you put $400 million down and you sell them cement and stuff. Nope, no tax money from that. You, and then there are people in there every night or whatever. No tax money from that. So where's the tax money coming back that you put the $400 million in? There's no money coming back. You know, in terms of creating jobs, there's a Tropicana there right now. You know, with hundreds of jobs in it, you're going to you're going to race that. So you're going to you're going to destroy, you know, 200 jobs in the short term, be replaced by construction workers for a while. They're gone. And then you're going to have some number that's bigger than the Tropicana number, probably because it's a stadium instead of a hotel. But I don't think it's that much bigger than the Tropicana. So you just created like 20 jobs for 400 million dollars. Congratulations. (laughs) Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. And the A's don't have to pay a relocation fee either. And there's yeah. all kinds of little like sweetheart moves just here to get this just this. to get this over with. Yes. I mean, I, I, I think this might actually this might hurt Ranford a little bit politically with the owners, because if you have Manfred, uh, if you have Hal, uh, Hal Steinbrenner out there talking about how he doesn't like this. And you have Hal Steinbrenner be like, oh, we're going to have a revenue sharing because they're going to go into the smallest media market, right? We're going to yeah. have a new team that's not that now is taking money from me. You know, they just got Oakland off the revenue sharing list. It's going right back on. So if you're the Yankees, you're like, oh, good. Another team that's going to be taking money from us, you know, the yeah. taxpayers. And then you and then you're just going to let them skate on the relocation fee like. I don't know exactly where the relocation fee goes, but I would assume, you know, to other owners. owners. I would assume it was the other owners, right? So, like, yeah, I'm going to waive this fee for you so that you can become become, uh, someone that takes money from me. I think all the big market owners will be like, I don't like this move. 
You just, yeah. you just, you just play, and you did the major league playbook, right, right out of the movie in the major league, major league. You know, it's like you just, you just ran this team into the ground so that they had yep. to go somewhere, and, uh, and 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 I don't like this because you've been not putting any money in. I've been paying ten times the payroll you've been paying. Yeah. Final point on this for me, anyway, is what is to stop other owners who get into buying a team from driving the team into the ground? Then moving the team, getting a new stadium, increasing the valuation, getting rid of the team. Selling. This is the Jeffrey Luria playbook. Yeah, that's what exactly is right. to stop that now that you see what's happening in Oakland? What that don't didn't even take that long. And the price tag for 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 uh for taxpayers just keep going up, you know. Yeah. So I mean, if I'm not will be actually worried about the precedent. What's the stop a team like, yeah, you couldn't do it in New York, but let's take Cleveland, for example, right? Who like, aren't they selling part of the team, right? There's, there's minority ownership up for sale. What's to stop some of these teams or Pittsburgh? What's to stop these teams from being like, you know what? Here's a great exit strategy. Make the right? team really terrible. Yep. They're not liked. They're not liked anyway. They don't care. These people don't care about that. It's a bummer <laughs> to put a bow on it. It is a, a bummer in every way. And the more you look at it, the more it uh, is disturbing. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's move on to some other topics. Oh, Let's this, talk about- this topic looks like a real pick-me-up. Hey, you know what? <laughs> it doesn't hurt my heart. It, I'm, I'm sorry to Cardinals fans. If you Your happen bias to, is showing. If you are a person who roots for the Cardinals in the NL and the A's in the AL, I'm really sorry that the show rundown worked out this way. So for the eight people who fit that description that listen to this podcast, very sorry. The question is pretty simple. Can the Cardinals find their way back in what has been a very weak NL Central this year? Because we talked about them a month or so ago, and the biggest concern then was the starting pitching. Their starting rotation does not miss bats. And in this environment, with the new shift rules in effect, you need guys that miss bats. And I don't know if you can correct this, if you can do anything with changing the manager, hitting coach, pitching coach, front office changes, anything on the fly right now that's going to make a massive impact. It seems like it would just take roster changes, trades. It would take something more like that as opposed to front office changes and coaching staff changes. So, Britt, you've been the resident optimist about the Cardinals in the past. You know, and I have mistakenly written them off before. I think this was August. It was in August, never in June. It was in August when we've written them off before. Tell us why the Cardinals can do it 
this time? What's going to happen and how are they going to find their way back into the mix atop the NL Central? Well, let me say first off that I'm less optimistic about them than I have been in prior seasons. Point one. Point two, they're in the NL Central. This is the only reason anybody can be optimistic, I think is that this has historically been the weakest division going, certainly in the National League. I think the AL Central, you know, they can kind of duke it out in terms of who has been weaker over the years. But you look at this division, and if the Cardinals have a a hot week, 10 days, they're kind of right back into the thick of things here in terms of winning the division. Because I think you look elsewhere and you're like, man, these teams that are still in it in the Central – probably going to be blown out in the wild card chase because the other divisions are stronger. But that's kind of how I feel optimistic about them. To play devil's advocate, guys, I'm not that optimistic for a bunch of reasons, as you mentioned. Starting pitching is an issue. Um, They don't have – when I look at bad teams, I look at, like, how do they get better, right? Who's missing? Because I like the Cardinals have Wainwright, Arenado, Goldschmidt all on the IL, and we're like – they're going to be fine right, right when they all yeah. come back that's what you kind of look at with teams and that's what the story was with the Mets for a little while it was we'll wait till they get healthy well they're healthy now ish I mean they're missing Alonzo but you know they they have some of their key guys back and they're still not good so that's what troubles me about the Cardinals another problem for me too when looking at this team is they've never struggled. You look at Wainwright, who's been around forever. Look at the teams that he's been on. This isn't a team that's like, yeah, well, remember uh, two years ago when we really were 10 games under and turned and we really weathered adversity? No, they've always had winning seasons. Their worst season was when Mozilliac st- took over. That was back in like 2007. So they're not well-versed in, hey, we're bad, but we're going to turn it around. I mean, they've had seasons where they've had, you know, the Cardinals devil magic in September, but they've never been this bottom basement dweller, worst team in baseball, like worst team in the NL kind of thing. They've never had that, and they certainly haven't had it this late in the season. So I'm wondering what they can actually do to turn things around because it looks to me like a situation prime for, well, heads have to roll, right? Well, Marmol has to go, and but, you know maybe some a- of the new coaches as well. Even though that really doesn't do anything, what else do you do? Because personnel-wise, you look at this team – and there's not these like huge guys who are coming back. And unless they and they keep saying there's internal fixes. So they're not going to go out and like buy away their problems in July like a Steve Cohen may. So I don't know when you look at this roster, it's flawed. I don't know where they go from here at all. I really don't. Yeah, it's, I think it's I think it's unique. I think it's a unique situation because if you look at even with this poor play that they're doing this year over the last uh, three seasons, including or the last two, including this one, they're still top 10 in wins. Like right? this is the team that always wins. It's been winning, winning, winning. And as you point out, they haven't really struggled. Right. So, you know, you can't say, OK, we'll fire the GM. Well, it's like one misstep. OK, hold on, hold on. Like the yeah. Cardinals are still great at creating like position players and lineups. They still have great scouting. They have the Cardinal way, like whatever that is. And like, you know, they have they have a lot of things that, they, that they're doing well. So I would never call for Mazziliak to be fired over this one season. However, it was a misstep from the front office. You can see that over the last three seasons, the Cardinals have been last in strikeouts per nine. You know, you can see that. You can see that they've had a pitch-to-contact philosophy that hasn't worked out. You know, I have a stuff stat that says that, you know, the Cardinals' uh, rotation is bottom five in the big leagues, and that fits right with their bottom five type strikeout rate. And it, it, that's not going to get fixed 
fast either because even guys like uh, Gordon Graceffo is like one of their one of their prospects that's coming up or Matthew Liberatore. Neither one of them has stuff with a capital S uh, or stuff plus uh, as my model has it uh, to, to sort of change things. Uh, my, my model says, for example, that like Graceffo's fastball is a below average one by stuff. He can command it well, but it's not good. It's not going to blow anybody away. So this is not a rotation that blows anybody away. And that's big a part of the problem. You know, they don't strike people out and there are new shift rules. Where does the blame go? You, if you fire Marmol, Marmol was was it like? Correct me if I'm wrong. Marmol was hired because he was more in line with the with the front office. Yeah, yeah, correct. They went with the the last guy was like trying to you know tell them what to do, and they was like, no, 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 no. We want a guy who's just going to do what we tell him to do. So if you got the guy who's doing what you tell him to do, and you fire him, it's like, well, next person is you. But at the same time, the Cardinals have all the yeah. success. So I, I would just say, I think it's time for like one of those retool, not rebuild. Like, a, uh, you know, if they have any pro, if they have anybody to sell uh, that's not nailed down for next year, in, in you know, they can get something back for it. Do that. But everything should be thought about in terms of being a, being like one of the best teams in Central next year, and everything has to think they have to think about the rotation because. Everybody's out of that rotation at the end of the year. Uh, Except Nicolas, right? Uh, yeah, all they've got is Miles Michaelis, and uh, and they'd have to put Stephen Matz from the bullpen back to the rotation <laughs> to have like a, a, a second starting pitcher and Matthew Libertor. So they might have two two and a half uh, starting pitchers next year. They're they're gonna have to look at the right. They should be doing right now as much as they should be trying to get better this year. I think they should be looking at who's free agents. Could we make a trade for where we trade like? I know we we've trade Marlins starters all the time, and and but they've done this before. But could we trade somebody like Tyler O'Neill, who is, doesn't seem to be fitting our team right now? Um, could we trade him for a starter that we would have next year? Mm. You know what I mean? And maybe could help yeah. us this year. You know, but 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 somebody that would at least have another year of team control, so that Trevor Rogers or whoever it is could be in our starting rotation next year, yeah. uh, and hopefully somebody that misses some bats. Yeah, how about the Dodgers so as a trade partner, though? I know I know they need pitching at the yeah. big league level right now, but they have so much pitching at double A and above. The Dodgers keep debuting, guys. Yeah. If there's, so if there's maybe there's a way to work there. out a swap there. I mean, there's other there's a few other teams that can develop enough pitching where they might actually be able to make a move like this. And I think when you start looking at the Cardinals, you start to say, well, who who goes? Who like other than Tyler O'Neill, who else makes sense to trade away? Arenado He's under contract through 2027. Goldschmidt's uh, 26 million again next year. Then he's a free agent after 2024, but he's almost 36 years old. Yeah, Michaelis, they need to keep. They just signed Wilson Contreras, so he's probably not going anywhere just yet. Like they don't, they don't have a lot Could of. Could you buy and sell? Where it's like a Tyler O'Neill, Jordan Montgomery package, where it's like because uh, pitching a help agent. now for control. Yeah, yeah maybe, yeah. maybe that's and part of the solution. A couple of years, we need to start. So you guys have year. them as sellers this year. You both are like, yeah, they can't rebound well, in, I, I, in like more a like division. Buy more, more selling, though. like sort of. Like just you have to think about whatever you're doing has to have some impact for next year because there's such a hole in the starting rotation and they are in a hole in their division. So, you know, I think that they like, for example, I'm not saying they they should definitely not go buy Lucas Giolito. That doesn't make any sense. You're you're saying not a rental. You're saying try to solve the problem for 2024. And I think that makes sense because of you know Montgomery and Flaherty both being free agents. That's a huge amount of inning. And Wainwright, three members of that rotation all likely gone you need to figure out a way to backfill those innings their most exciting pitching prospect tink hence has actually missed some time at high a this year 
he's back. He's healthy now. He had a chest injury. He's, he's thrown 30, 30 and two-thirds innings at high A so far. So even if you're going to put him on a really fast path, let's say you're going to bump him to double A this year and think about debuting him maybe a year from now, that's a pretty aggressive track. And you still have one other spot that wouldn't even be accounted for, and you would need someone to hold the spot until, until he's ready mid-season yeah. next yeah. year. Yeah, I so, think you don't you don't think about Tink Hansen twenty for next season, really. Right. So, yeah, this is a, a bigger problem that they have to solve, and, and how they do it, I, I think it's been one of the more fascinating things to watch in the next few weeks. I think they can leave things mostly alone and still end up being right there during the final week of the season, playing meaningful games and possibly having a shot to win the division. I think when you look at the Vegas odds for this division are weird, by the way, just looking at the bet MGM odds, the Brewers are plus 100, even money to win the division. The Cardinals are plus 400 pirates are plus 450 Cubs are plus wow, 700. So the Cardinals are still the second favorites and the Reds are plus 800. And it seems like the Reds are the buzzy team right wow. now. Ali De La Cruz yeah. up and Matt McClain playing well and more prospects knocking on the door. It's but such they're a all kind of division. like near true talent, 500 teams. So yeah. one is, is a little difficult. What did you say? The, um, the Pythagorean, Oh, Pythagorean so, uh, win yeah. total for the Cardinals. That's basically Pythagorean win totals take the runs you score and the runs you allow. And uh, it's a very basic formula that kind of takes those two pieces of information and says, what do other teams in the past that have la- allowed this many runs and scored this many runs, how they have done? Oh. 33 and 36 is their Pythagorean record and their real records 27 and 42. So they should be within a few games of 500. And it kind of makes sense because by war, they're pitching, even with its flaws. Their starters are 13th in Fangraph's war. Their relievers as a group are 11th. And their lineup is 10th in WRC+. And it's a great, it's yeah. a, I think it's a great lineup that should score more. I mean, they, yeah. they even process stuff under the hood in terms of, you know, pulled fly balls, barrels, the types of things that do predict future power. They've been doing well under the hood. So I expect this lineup to start scoring a lot. And, you know, that's what we saw. Even when they did the Wilson Contreras thing, there was like, oh, we moved Wilson Contreras. And they had this little mini bump and they won some games. And I was like, you didn't win them because Wilson Contreras, you like slugged your way to a bunch of wins. They, they were winning games like 10 to 6 for a little bit. And I was like, yeah, because yeah, the and lineup then, started waking up. You know? And then the O'Neill drama, you know, with his effort. Like they've just had like, I feel like a very uncardinal season from the very start of the season season to now right like how many other seasons do you remember like in-house cardinals drama yeah and how many i don't know how many times i've seen mozilliac you know available to reporters uh discussing you know jordan walker the during the motion of a a prospect i mean that was that was one of their depth points where they really lost a bunch of games and you know they decided to demote jordan walker was the big move and um you know there's some tenseness in st louis that i haven't seen in a while it's just one of those places where expectations are elevated every single year. So when underperformance happens, people get very upset by it. Unless you're outside of St. Louis, then you kind of laugh along and enjoy the dysfunction. Eric is it's, thrilled. So it's one of the few things I'm genuinely happy about in baseball right now. And I don't usually, I don't usually thrive on the suffering of others, but in this case, I have to make an exception. Let's talk about the subway series for a few minutes. Brit, Maybe it's because I am a Midwest kid, but the Subway series doesn't do much for me. It also didn't help that this particular series was a two-game series, and both of these teams are a little shorthanded right now with both Judge and, and Pete Alonzo down, and uh, the Mets haven't been the, the fun party team that we expected them to be, so that's kind of brought down the atmosphere a little bit. But what have been your takeaways 
watching these two teams go head to head and split a two game series this week. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't this like, I think if you had said in spring training, look at the series, we would have been like, Oh, star studded. Can't wait to watch. And you now the Yankees lineup without Aaron judge has been pretty dreadful. Um, it's, it's been tough to, to see them really find a way to, to cover for his absence. And the Mets, you know, missing Pete Alonso, but also they just haven't pitched. Their starting pitching has not been good. Now, Verlander did have a, a nice little bounce back start, but you look at what him and Scherzer have done, and, you know, Kodai Senga has become the workhorse of this staff, which considering they also have Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, is just insane. This is this guy's first time in a five-man rotation. So, you know, I think if you're watching this, you, as a New York sports fan, you're like, man, both these teams are just okay right now. Right. You obviously are a little less worried if you're on the Yankee side of things. The Mets have just like sputtered all year. They'll win a couple games and everyone will say, this is the turnaround. And then they'll go and they'll drop three or four in a row. Right. It's just been really tough to watch the Mets, really tough to watch a Buckshaw Walter managed team make as many mental errors as this Mets team. I mean, there's base running blunders, there's mental mistakes. There's, it just seems like the pressure has kind of gotten to a lot of these guys and they're just not playing clean baseball, even when they win. Like I said to you guys off air, they don't inspire a whole lot of confidence. And, you know, I think from the Yankee side of things, they're just trying to tread water until Judge comes back. But for me, it also shows how the Yankees' whole offseason was wrapped up in, we got to bring Aaron Judge back. Rightfully so, they needed to bring him back. But they didn't really do much else. So the second this guy's out of the lineup, you're looking at this team and you're like, oh, there's a huge hole struggle offensively. Right. So, you know, I watched this series. I thought it was okay. Um, I think honestly that it was kind of overblown hype wise because it is the subway series, but I think both of these teams have, you know, some serious roster holes, especially right now with the injuries. Yeah. The, what was the starting outfield for the Yankees? And in, in one of the games was Bowers and uh, Jake Bowers and Willie Calhoun and, uh, yeah. and uh, who am I missing? Billy McKinney. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think all three are waiver claims this year. So well, they let go of Aaron Hicks, and now he's crushing it for the Orioles. It's such <laughs> yeah. a weird. But yeah, there was a there was a poor seventh inning for the Mets, where you know Jeff McNeil made a bad decision, and then Mark Vientos let the ball go by. Um, then they uh, allowed a, a steal of home by Isaiah Kaya Falefa, <laughs> and it kind of looked like Brooks Raley. The pitcher on the mound for that steal of home tried to hit the batter uh, to to you know render the play dead. So there there was it was like uh, it was like one of those five minute things. Where you're like oh ooh uh uh, and like every, and like even the announcers had to be like mm, that you know a bunch of mistakes in one inning and and then Twitter was just like you know Mets Twitter is pretty active and so they were they were you know calling for Buck's job by the end of one inning. You know I don't I, you know they've had to. You know, the fact that Mark Vientos is in there, it's a Pete Alonso thing. Um, you know, that's a, that's a rookie. He made a mistake. Uh, you know, Jeff McNeil is not the most amazing defensive player. Uh, a straight seal of home can ho- can happen. I- IKF is a pretty heady guy. So I don't know that I put this all on Buckshow Walter's feet, but like those things are really visible and then they become a really easy scapegoat situation. Be like, well, they're not playing well fundamentally, so we got to let the manager go. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Britt, with the first thing you said. What's up with the pitching, man? You know, by mm-hmm. most metrics, they're bottom three. The whole staff, the starting rotation, they're bottom three. They have a five ERA. Uh, by Fangraph's war, they're bottom three. By If you look at starters or relievers, the whole staff, 
Um, you know, the, it's uh, the starters have a five ERA. The whole team has a four six nine, and there has been some like taking Edwin Diaz off of that roster. Yeah, that is a problem, but that's you know sixty innings of a problem. It's not it's not all of it. Um, I, I look at, you know, David Peterson and Tyler Mango coming up and, you know, there's supposedly the Mets have been trying really hard uh, to uh, improve their uh, their pitching development. Well, those two guys came up and they have ERAs over six. Um, and, you know, when you have those guys come behind, well, you, the plan was we signed these old guys who were aces. They aged gracefully. And when they are hurt, we've, we're working on pitching development and we're going to bring in Peterson and Megill and it's going to be fine, you know? And yeah. instead, what you got was six ERAs from the kids, more injuries than you expected from the older guys, and not yet the performance you want. But I, I will say this. You said earlier, like, when you look for a story for how they get better. Yeah. Verlander, Verlander gave you a, a look into that. They've been this bad because of pitching. Verlander pitched well. I think Max Scherzer can pitch well again. Kodai's been there, you know. So, like, at least they have a three that, that can uh, go to war with. And I expect they have a better than five ERA uh, as a starting rotation going forward. Yeah, that's the strange thing. And you wonder how much being veterans well, well past 30, how much that's impacted Verlander and Scherzer in you know, year one of the pitch clock and, and just how much the the stuff has turned down because of that. Seeing Max Scherzer with a 25% K rate for anyone else, that's fine, right? You see 25.3% K rate, 5.9% walk rate. That's a pretty good starter. It's got a little bit of a home run problem right now, so that's why the ERA is a little up. But that's not what we're used to from Scherzer. Usually he strikes out 30% of the batters he's facing, or even more. Verlander down at 21% for a K rate right now, also dealing with some home run issues. Relying on those two guys to bounce back, get back closer to their mean, even if if their new baseline is not as good as we're used to, they're still better today forward than they've been so far in the most likely outcomes. That goes a long way. But what else really needs to change here? You know, Pete Alonso getting healthy is going to be really important for them, of course. That's yeah. a big part of this. Every team deals with injuries like that, so it's not unique to the Mets. Is that enough? Are, are they going to be good enough to get a wild card spot just by having guys like Scherzer and Verlander do what most of us expected them to do coming into the season? Or is there more tinkering needed here? Because this is another one of those places. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mets Twitter wants to fire Buck. What does firing Buck actually do? How, how, right. we, we know Jack McKeon with the Marlins years ago was a mid, mid-season manager replacement. They won the World Series. Yes, it, it can happen. But how much of an impact does a move like that really have on this roster? Right. I think Francisco Lindor is another guy that doesn't get talked about enough. Like Lindor and Starling Marte, you know, and yeah. Max and Verlander, those four need to play up to their baseball cards, I think. Yeah. I just have yeah. no I have no good reason to tell you why those guys won't do that going forward. So I guess that's where my Yeah, they've they've really underperformed so far, but they're still a dangerous team. Yeah, yeah. they're well, the bullpen. Marte team. looks kind of old. His sprint speed is way down. They're a little concerned that maybe he's injured. I don't know. He was an such old a catalyst for them. Do you always yeah. bet on old guys to come back? You know, sometimes it's just near the end of their career, you know? Yeah. Interesting thing, too. We mentioned the Pythagorean record for the Cardinals being a lot better than their actual record. The Mets, they deserve this 32 and 36. This is the performance <laughs> based on runs scored and runs allowed that. They have yeah, but the, point. you know, there's another level of sort of projected, like what you do projected wise, and in terms of uh, projected standings, the the Mets 
still project as a 51 team going forward. To, uh, so another 51 uh, wins in the next 94 games, a 540 win percentage project to end up around 83 wins. Um, I mean, that's not far from uh, the, the wild card race. Um, and I think they'll be in it. And so, yeah, I think there's a, the question. That, I think one thing that may actually need an upgrade is uh, when I look at their their bullpen. Um, I like Ottavino. I like Robertson. Um, you know, they've got some other pieces. But um, if the White Sox sold, for example, I think getting one of those relievers into New York might help them. Uh, especially because yeah. a lot of the pitchers are older, or if they're trying to, you know, do things with Peterson, Megill, maybe get three innings from those guys and have a better bullpen, uh, and get through the games that way. But um, the bullpen took a real big hit with Edwin Diaz for the for the year, so there's something something there for me. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra-soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB Show. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. This is always fun because this time of year, there's such a, a narrow gap between the teams that are maybe exceeding expectations and the ones that are underperforming. I would say the Angels maybe are a slight exceed right now, at least compared to some of the pessimistic projections out there. How much do you really want to trust the Angels right now? Are you buying what they're doing right now, Britt? Are you buying that the AL West teams can do enough damage to kind of hold their own in a wild card race against the the, the loved AL East? Uh, I mean, the AL East is beloved because their teams are all really good. I think no, here I think the problem what we're seeing right now with the Angels is like the bad part of the baseball season. Every team is going to have this stretch where they look really good. We're now in the midst of the Angels having that stretch. And people fall in love with them because they have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, right? But you look at the rest of these top teams. Are they better than these teams? 
over the long haul, I think there's just still a lot of holes. Now, do I think that Otani stays all year? We've talked about this before. Yes. I don't think the Angels are going to all of a sudden say, hey, we're going to sell off for pieces. I think they're going for it. I think Mike Trout has been very vocal in saying we're just as good as everybody else. You know, we want to win. I think they know this is probably it for Shohei Otani as an Angel. So, you know, they want to try to carry that as far as they can. But, you know, a solid 10-game stretch, you're going to have to do a little bit more for me based on what the organization has done in its history, especially its recent history, for me to say, yeah, the Angels are all in it here. You know, it remains to be seen whether guys not named Otani and Trout are going to be able to play at a high enough level for them to listen. The AL West is no joke. The Texas Rangers is just one of the under-talked-about teams, I feel like. Them and the Orioles, no one are really talking about because the Rays are playing at just a ridiculous clip. But – you know, the AL West is no cakewalk. And then also the Astros, always competitive, always kind of going to be in the mix as well. So, no, I'm not ready to say that the Angels are right in the thick of it. Could they be a wild card factor now that we've expanded the playoffs? Absolutely. But we're going to have to have a lot more of these stretches for me to say, yeah, the Angels are a good team. They're in it. They're for real. Yeah, in terms of run differential, uh, the Angels have scored 18 more runs than they've allowed um, and that's actually about what they're projected to do the rest of the season. So they've played, according to the projections, they played it, played it about right. Um, however, if you look at the Blue Jays, bigger run differential. Yankees, bigger run differential. Orioles, bigger run differential. Padres, Astros. right? And they're under 500. Right. But, I mean, just if you're looking at their competitors for the wild card, mm-hmm. uh, right now, you know, uh, you've got the Orioles, Yankees, Blue Jays, and Astros all projected for 88 to 89 wins, and then the Angels at 86. I'm not saying they're not in it. Um, I'm just saying, you know, it's... It's going to be interesting if there is a team here that could buy a rental like a Lucas Giolito, not to bring him up again. But like, you know, if there is a team to, that would be here to buy a rental arm, I think it's the Angels uh, because you don't know what they're going to do next year. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. taking Otani off that team is a big deal. And so you may want to go in a different direction. So you may want to be sort of like, hey, let's just. Let's focus on the rest of this year and try to keep him here by being good the, by being good now and and taking what, whatever we can. So I would focus on arms. I'd focus on a starter, maybe a reliever, uh, and try to try to push them into that you know 88, 89 win group and and see if you can't get lucky. It's I think it's going to get down to a little bit of luck. I mean nobody likes that word, but in the last week of the season, oh, yeah. you're going to have you're going to have all four or five of these teams. In the in the wild card race, only three of them get through. A bounce of the ball that might 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 make a difference. Just for the the sake of comparison, we talked about the odds uh, in the NL Central a little earlier. The Astros are still the favorites over at BetMGM at minus one fifteen. The Rangers are plus one forty. So that's very close between those two teams. Pretty big gap before you get to the Angels at plus nine hundred, and another gap wow, before you get to the Mariners at plus sixteen hundred. Yeah, which is is really surprising. I mean. The Mariners are still good to me. Like they're they're still. I know Their it has run differential is pretty close. The Angels. I mean, it's eighteen for the Angels and seven for the Mariners. I mean, you know, you're talking about basically a barely above five hundred team. I think the Rangers are legitimately good, but I think the the most the most scary thing about the way they're built was their way their willingness to embrace injury risk up and down the rotation. Right. It's not just Jacob Degrom. But it's Andrew Heaney and Nathan Evaldi and guys that they're relying on to continue giving them high quality innings every fifth day 
all the way through the end of the season. So I think that that to me is going to make or break the Rangers, who actually have swelled up to a 91 uh, win total projection by the Fangraphs. The best run differential so in baseball. The lineup is is fantastic. They might be able to out hit some pitching injuries, but if they have another, it's going to matter. Some significant of these one or two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Owen and they're White, obviously going to you know, they're going to be guys. aggressive at the deadline too. They're going to they clearly are a team built to win now, so they're going to be out there yeah. trying to make upgrades as well. But I, I had a Lucas feeling Giolito that some... might help. <laughs> Lucas Giolito, <laughs> the Degrom like injury really pitches. hurts. It would have been awesome to watch Degrom on that team. Anyway. Oh man, I mean, he was crying too. It's just... yeah, it was a sad video. Bummer indeed. Anything else good going on? Anything you guys are excited about good. in in, uh, uh... in a week that's been a kind of a brutal week all around? The or- I feel like I'm the only one who brings up the Orioles, but man, they're good. And Gunners, good. Gunners turned it around. I think Gunners yeah, people really, were kind of yeah. Uh, I like this Orioles team. I've been watching a lot of them, um, you know, because uh, I'm fairly interested in a couple of their pitchers. Kyle Bradish, Tyler Wells are guys that uh, my model has liked in the past, and that are very interesting young pitchers. And I think. The Orioles seem to be getting the most out of them, um, and, and neither one of them was necessarily uh, frontline talent. So, Grayson Rodriguez right now, uh, you know, having some issues, and may have they may have found some pitching tells using Hawkeye, and other teams are are doing that more. Uh, there was a Tom Verducci piece on this, but you might have heard it on on the podcast where they spotted that Grayson Rodriguez does something different in his delivery using limb tracking technology which upsets some people, but um, maybe uh, there's an aspect of uh, his good play back in AAA this year, Grayson Rodriguez, that he's trying to calm whatever that was down. Yeah. Yeah, This Orioles team is exciting. Like many of the contending teams, you wonder how their pitching holds up and then how they supplement what they've got. They've got the position players to go out and make deals, as we've talked about before. I think their bullpen is really good. Their lineup is really good. Yeah. 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 and they've, they've got it was in, good last year too. They, they, they create good bullpens out of like no names. Yeah. It is a, an organizational skill that they seem to have, but I think they, they are legit. If you look at them in April and say, Hey, this is a fun story, but they're going to sink back. They're going to be more of a 500 team. I think they've done enough up to this point in mid June where they've probably changed your mind. If, if you were on uh, on the pessimistic yeah. side with Baltimore to begin the season, we are going to sign off on our way out the door. A reminder, you can get a subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month for the first year at theathletic.com slash baseball show. You can find Britt on Twitter at Britt underscore Giroli. You can find Eno at Eno Saris. You can find me at Derek Van Riper. That's going to do it for this episode of the 3-0 show. We are back with you on Friday. Got the green light here. Green light 3-0 and she's gone. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.